Just like the rest of us, there's been a few hard days at the office for the Black Caps in the new year, so can they turn it around? Close, but not quite, for the Silver Ferns as they prepare for the Netball World Cup. We're coming to the pointy end of the Australian Open, and what are the predictions for the All Blacks in a World Cup year? Kia ora Aotearoa, I'm Zoe George, and this is The Podium, sports news, but not as you know it, from Stuff. Well, the Black Caps have lost a one-day series against India 3-zip this week, pushing the team off the top of the one-day table and down to fourth. So what do they need to change and why are they not playing in New Zealand right now? We're in summer and it's our summer sport. Stuff Sports Juno and cricket guru Ian Anderson, how's your cricket fantan going? Yeah, it's a bit tough during the middle of the night, isn't it? Uh, particularly for reporters who have to definitely have to watch the whole game, whereas fans can pop in and out if they don't want to. So, yeah, I can understand the frustration, certainly for fans who want to get their cricket fix. And it's the middle of the night and they're watching the team play in Pakistan or um, India. Um, it's a story that I'm actually working on for uh, Sunday, so we'll have a little bit further for, for stuff readers on that on Sunday. There's a few reasons why it's worked out like it has, uh, but obviously it's been understandably frustrating for, for fans. I suppose in terms of bright moments, it's not more than a week ago that they won an ODI series in Pakistan. And then Kane Williamson and Tim Southey went home to prepare for the England Test Series, and 80% of the top order forgot how to make runs. Uh, and India, India clearly the favourites to win the World Cup in their own backyard in October, and they showed why they've got great talent and even greater depth. And New Zealand really weren't able to compete with them when they were missing six frontline bowlers. And, and I guess there's still some question marks around that New Zealand side for the World Cup at present. Notably, uh, Finn Allen as opener would be, would be probably the biggest question mark they're looking at presently. So can you give us a sneak peek on why they're not playing in New Zealand? I mean, we've got Super Smash happening at the moment. We'll talk about that shortly. But why are they not here? Yeah, the the Indian series, which is on at the moment, may seem like one of the more pointless ones, particularly the T20 series, which is about to start now. Uh, but they have been teed up for a while underneath the uh, the ICC program uh, for, cal- for the calendar year that it just happened like that but there are some other reasons um, India and Pakistan have sort of extended their domestic seasons because of their their weather patterns allow them to play longer than what we do here you'll notice that obviously that Pakistan series would not normally happen there because it was in the middle of the winter uh, but they are now capable of hosting matches at different times so, so that's another reason for it but I suppose we've got the, uh, the England series in February to look forward to uh, the Black Caps against Bazball which uh, by the time that's done everyone might have forgotten the fact that they weren't here for probably I think it's the third time in about 12 years that they haven't been home playing uh, December, January type also on at the moment is the first ever under-19 Women's T20 World Cup. It's on in South Africa at the moment, and New Zealand has made it through to the semi-finals after an emphatic 103 win over Pakistan yesterday. They'll play India Friday night. How big a deal is this? India on Friday night will be a fascinating watch. Um, the, the New Zealand under-19 team have certainly been a cut above most sides in the tournament, but I imagine most would have expected the four semi-finalists that we've got in India, New Zealand, Australia and England. Uh, they're the countries that have the better development and top-flight programmes for women's cricket, and so that's probably been, been shown at that under-19 level. I mean, it's tremendous, yet, it, yet it's an obvious move to have a women's under-19 World Cup. And then overnight... Um, we've had franchises and businesses spending $158 million US 
to buy a single woman's IPL franchise for the inaugural year of that competition. And that's obviously going to be another massive leg up for the women's game and, and will no doubt feature some of New Zealand's best players when that starts. 100%. That's happening in March, isn't it? So one to watch. And you can see how investment is helping develop the game. And I'm seeing that translated at the moment into the Super Smash, in which we're getting into the pointy end. And just to have a quick swing at, at Super Smash, 19 wins in a row for the Wellington Blaze, Woohoo! who also posted the highest ever women's T20 score against Canterbury on Monday. They are two-time defending champions. And they're without their white ferns because everyone's gone off to the World Cup. Do you reckon they can defend their title, Ian? Yeah, they're a, they're a phenomenal side in this competition, aren't they? And, and they clearly haven't missed a beat courtesy of some excellent recruiting. And plus, their squad has always had a very good bowling depth, so, you know, they, they're not missing, you know, Jess Kerr and Amelia Kerr as much as some of the other sides in the competition um, are missing their best bowlers. I guess it's a little disappointing not to have the White Ferns at, at the pointy end of the tournament, but, you know, that's the international programme for you. It's 12 months a year now, particularly for the men and getting so for the women as well too. Also, I suppose we should quickly touch on the men's central stags. What is going on with them? Top of the table. This never happens. Vault's also currently at the top of the table and it's Pride Round for Northern District's brave teams. It's becoming an annual thing, Ian. Yeah, which is great and hopefully they do it better than the um, the Australian NBL where I see some team has started to, to kick up a fuss about Pride Round like it has happened in, in, uh, in various countries as well too. I think we're better than that here and the players are a bit more understanding than that. Um, yeah, the men's competition has been much harder to predict and, and has probably piled an attention because of it to the women's competition and the dominating blaze. And, and again, partly because it's without you know, 20 odd of, of New Zealand's best men's players who have been involved in those series over in Pakistan and India. Yes, oh, so much. Cricket, love it. Thanks so much, Ian Anderson. Silver Ferns! Oh, it was the third quarter in which they let Australia get away from them in the final of the Quad Series in South Africa, with Aussie coming out on top 56-50 to unpick the final result and throw forward to World Cup preparations as former ANZ Championship coach, who knows a thing or two about stoking the flames of success, paired with a steel determination to create magic on court. It's Marg Foster. Sorry, Marg, couldn't fit in there somewhere about you coaching oh. Sri Lanka. Oh, no, look, you know, I've been around the dog traps and, you know, being the specialist coach with the Silver Ferns for the past four years. It's been, you know, it's been awesome, you know, like being a part of it. So, you know, quite, I'm really excited. I know we lost this morning, but I love it. We're on track. We're on track? Yep. Yeah? Hundy. You were not too concerned about that third quarter where we just kind of let it slip a little bit? Oh, I know, I know. But, you know, it was just like, you know, obviously it's just some critical moments and we kind of got a little bit, like, stagnant in our attack end, which was quite bizarre, like, you know, like from our, you know, like just look, looking back. But I'll tell you what, I, I just really feel we've got the measure and if we get that consistency going, like that was a big thing. Like if you look at the scores per quarter, uh, Australia were more consistent with their numbers, like you know whether they were averaging around fifteen. Where we we kind of went from like a mass drop, like we went. One of them was nine. So you know you got we got to kind of tidy that up and just get our consistency. Go back to the numbers game. You know we get given fifty percent of that ball, send a pass off to goal, and like you know you are re- realistically you are trying to nail at least eighty percent of your own CPs. 
the we played Australia in the rounds in the quad series as well that also featured South Africa and England and we're going back to South Africa for the World Cup um, in July and August. This was kind of a dress rehearsal. <sighs> is the work that they're putting in, is it good enough to defend the World Cup title? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like looking at who we've taken, you know, like who has been on the South African tour, like Jane Watson coming back from having a baby, um, Carden Berger, who's coming back from um, having an injury, and, that, you know, they're pretty much main lineup type of contenders in the defensive end. You know, they haven't played. Like, <laughs> Jane hasn't played for how long? Um, so it was quite nice, and I think she was meant to only have half games over there, but um, obviously she, you know, she's a, you know, she's a South Islander, so they're full of flipping grunt and determination, and then she's got the mother factor. So, you know, coming back from having a wee bubs, you know, you kind of play a little bit more. You don't really give a shit in a nice way because you know you've got this little bubba to look after. <laughs> like honestly, you just come back, for, yeah. And look, she's gonna she'll get back into the swing of things. Um, she's only going to get better and better and better. Like July, I mean, it's pretty exciting. One hundred and what seventy six days, I think they said until it opened, um, until the World Cup. Um, those two in particular, they will absolutely improve. Like you know, like just because it's the more you do, the better you get um, court time. Um, and they've also just, you know, like Kate Heffernan um, has kind of gone into centre now. She was kind of like tracking as a wing D and kind of like, you know, a half game player as a centre. But now it's, it will be looking at her, what she brings. Like, you know, she'll, she, she's probably needed it as the centre, as a resident centre. Mm. Well, Dame Nolene Toro joined us on the podium for the summer series and said at this level you can't rely just on talent anymore. So what's that extra 10% that makes players champions? Well, do you know what? I reckon, and we often have a big discussion about this, Noles and I, it's, it's like you, and you can't even really coach it. You either got it or you have it, and it's called heart. You got it. Like, look, you don't even need to be, I mean, in a nice way, you can have all the flipping, but if you haven't got the heart, like, you know, the absolute, like, resolve the heart, the, oh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like, you know, you can kind of, like, see it in athletes. And I reckon with this bunch that we've got, that they, you can see they've got the heart. Like, like all of them, you know, have got, you know, they've got that heart, a little bit of just, yeah, the old fire in the belly, um, you know, and that's, you know, that you can't really, you can't coach that. You've, I think you've either got it or you haven't got it. Yeah, you've either got it or you haven't. Well, hopefully it will be enough heart to carry us through so that we win. We defend our title in July. Mark Foster, always a pleasure to chat. <laughs> Same. I've already smashed out the 5K beach walk, so, you know. Seizing the day, seize the day. Here's what else is making headlines. The Breakers are eyeing up a spot in the playoffs with their game against the Bullets tonight, Thursday. And they'll also wear a special jersey to mark the Pride Round. Kiwi Alpine ski racer superstar Alice Robinson has finished ninth place at the Kromplatz FIS Giant Slalom World Cup overnight. The Sevens are back in action in Sydney this weekend. Can the Black Ferns make it two from two for the year? And can the All Blacks claim their first series title? And Speaking of rugby, Scotland Rugby are the latest union to ban transgender women from playing contact games this week. They follow England, Ireland and world rugby in restricting trans access to the sport.
it's been a really rough 2022 for the All Blacks. With me now is Stuff Rugby writer and columnist Mark Reason. So how much work do the All Blacks have to do between now and September for the World Cup in France? Work? Well, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. They've got to make a few changes. I would hope they make a few changes. Um, I would very much like to see um, Will Jordan come back in at fullback. I think that's an important change for them to make. Uh, I think the whole thing of the alpha male with, with Bowden and, and Richie um, shadowing each other a bit is not helpful. And I would much rather see Bowden uh, become the impact player off the bench, which he's so brilliant at. And I think that would free up Richie a bit. Um, and there's also a lot of work in, in, in forming the 10, 12, 13 combination. One of the big problems with Foster's uh, coaching career has been inconsistency of selection. And Moang has played with, I think, something like nine or 10 different 12s in his in very, fairly short international career. And they've got to stick. Again, why did they change everything for the Scotland game? Madness. Uh, when you, you want to get some consistency of selection so that these partnerships can form. And one of the reasons um, Carter uh, was so good was not just he, it was one of the great, great players, but he played with Marnonu and Conrad Smith in so many tests. So they need familiarity. They need to decide who their 10, 12 and 13 is. And for my money, that's probably going to be uh, Moanga, uh, probably Geordie Barrett now and Rico Ayani, and they need to stick with them and play them through every test so that they get more and more familiar. Mm, will Sam Kane be captain come Rugby World Cup time? Gosh, that's a difficult question. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Can you walk down a tunnel into Ian Foster's mind? Um, <laughs> the, the whole country knows that he shouldn't be. He's not the magnificent player he was five years ago, and why should he be after so many hideous injuries that he's had? So he's not that player. He gives away too many penalties, uh, which which cost uh, the All Blacks in some of the games against Ireland. So, and I'm not even convinced by his leadership. He, he's kind of neither one thing nor the other as, as a leader. He, he's not a really quite strong man, or he's not the very, very vocal man. He, he sits in, in between. Um, and I, I don't, and he's obviously misspoken at, at times after games. Um, so I, I, I don't think he should be. Will he be? I think Foster's incredibly, incredibly stubborn on this one. So if Kane plays through for the Chiefs and holds some form, I suspect he will be. Who would you put in as captain? Uh, again, that's um, – I probably wouldn't pick Ardy Severe. It would be a, a choice for me between uh, Sam Whitelock and Dalton Papalee. Um, might be a, a, a little early for, for Papali, but it's a job that's been done extremely well by young captains around the world. And I don't think he'd be overawed with it. He did a great job with the Blues last season. So one of those two, and a lot of that would, would come down to who's better at talking to the ref. It's a huge factor. Speaking of rules and, and referees, what do you think the ongoing impact of these concussion rules are going to have on the international game in and around the World Cup? Well, I hope what we, we don't see around the World Cup, which, which happened um, four years ago, was, was very, very strict um, refereeing of concussion, um, which was good. Players were taken off quickly. 
and and people who were guilty of high tackles were removed from the pitch and it set an example to the game. Unfortunately, the game, particularly in the Southern Hemisphere, and we were really culpable uh, around this area down here, um, after about six months decided to almost ignore what had gone on at the World Cup and tackles started to slip higher and higher and became less and less punished and we were almost back where we started. So I hope, and, and pray because this is for the future of a lot of young men and, and, and their families. Don't forget their families who have to deal with the fallout of mental illness and brain damage. So I hope for the sake of these young men and the example around the world that um, World Rugby instructs the refs to be tough on it again and that we follow through this time. One of the other good things about summer sport is tennis and the Australian Open. We're down to the semi-finals and have brought along stuff sport tennis enthusiast David Long. Kia ora, David. Hi there. How are you going? Emphatic win for Novak Djokovic. Uh, he must be a favourite to take the title, given there's a lack of top seeds in Australia at the moment. I'd say without a doubt he's got to be the favourite to to win it. Um, he's um, he's looked very impressive throughout the the Australian Open and, and seems to be improving as the tournament got on. He um, he absolutely destroyed uh, Rublev, uh, the fifth seed, in the quarterfinals on um, uh, Wednesday night, and um, that that was that match was supposed to be tough for him. I mean, however, there's still Stefan Sitsipas, the number three seed, left in the draw. He plays Khan Kachanov in the other semi-final. Um, and I can see Sitsipas is someone who's sort of been knocking on the door and looked like he's had the potential to win a Grand Slam for a while. Um, I think it would be an incredible final if if it is against them too uh, on Sunday. Um, so, I mean, Djokovic definitely is the favourite to win it, but I think Sissipas, he's probably the only one left in the draw who's got the potential to push Djokovic and stop him getting that 22nd Grand Slam win. 22, my God. Goodness, that's quite a, quite a lot. Um, there was some drama at his game yesterday, wasn't there, with four que- four spectators questioned by security? Tennis Australian organisers, they, um, they didn't have a ban, first of all, for Russian flags, but then they brought, brought one in when they um, saw that some people were sort of showing support for Putin and, and Russia. And then there was an incident last night um, where some people took off the shirt and displayed a Z T-shirt, which is a symbol, I think, for supporting Russia's war in Ukraine and some Russian flags. So that's um, that was unfortunate, really. And I think then people were sort of detained for a bit and um, hopefully won't be back for any other matches at the um, Australian Open. But, um, you know, there is, um, if you look at it, there is uh, one... Russian man left in the, in, in the draw, Karen Kachanov, and a couple of Belarusians as well in the women's side of it. So, you know, there's maybe the potential for some more sort of stuff like this over the rest of the tournament. Mm, so how is the women's draw squaring up? Uh, women's is looking interesting as well. Um, um, it's I think the interesting story is um, in the semi-final uh, between Rabakina and uh, Azarenka, Azarenka's um, 32 now. I think she, it's been she's been away, had a baby, well, a seven-year-old boy now, um, and she hasn't sort of got back to the height she was before she she went away to have a baby. Uh, and she plays Elena Rybakina in the semi-final. I think that's a fantastic matchup. That one's going to be. Rybakina won the Wimbledon last year and sort of got completely forgotten about. It was as if um, it didn't happen really because she didn't get any ranking points from it because of the. The issue that Wimbledon had over um, Russian players and the 
and she's able to WTA. So and she's only twenty ranked twenty two in the world, but she's a far better player than that. And she beat uh Iga Swantek earlier in the tournament, who it would everybody thought was nailed on to win it. So I think it's gonna be a very good match. I think uh Rabakina should win that match. And in the other semi final, uh Magdalena against Arena Sabalenka. I think Sabalenka should be um way too good for for Lynette in that one. Oh, bring it on. Lots of action. Thank you so much, David Long. No problem. And that's it for the first podium episode of 2023. A big thank you to all our guests, producer Philippa Tolley and sound engineer Connor Scott, and thank you for listening. What are you looking forward to the most in the sporting calendar in 2023? Are there sports you'd like us to cover? Tell us at the podium at stuff.co.nz. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss out on all the action. Until next week, kakete anō, go well. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.